So there's no better walking story in the Gospels than the story I'm about to read you. It's from the 28th chapter of Matthew. The disciples have experienced Jesus' death. They've heard rumors of his resurrection. And they find themselves walking, walking to some mountaintop to find Jesus. So as we begin our series on walking with Jesus, let's pay attention to what walking with Jesus demands of them. And let's listen for God speaking into our walk as well. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of the Lord. Amen. So I love to walk. Maybe you don't know that about me, but I love to walk. Now, by looking at me, you know I am not exactly an athlete, okay? I can't throw, I can't catch, I can't jump, but I can walk. And I love walking. I walk 15 to 20 miles a week. And this is actually the back door of my little apartment, going down the narrow stairs to my garage. This is where I keep my walking shoes. Because if you're going to walk that many miles, you can't wear the same pair of shoes, right? It'll hurt your feet. So I keep my shoes there. Al refuses to use this door because he says it's dangerous. <laughs> but that's where I keep my walking shoes, ready to go whenever I have the time. I wasn't always so obsessed with walking. In fact, I didn't really start this kind of walking until about 12 years ago. Something happened to me 12 years ago that was kind of my lace-em-up moment when I began this walking. You see, 12 years ago, life, life as I knew it, as I had created it, as I had planned it, began to crumble. And in that uncertainty, all I knew to do was to lace up my walking shoes and start walking. And as the weeks of uncertainty went on, I walked longer and harder and faster because I didn't know what else to do. The story really isn't that interesting, but it included my husband feeling called by God away from his secure ministry in a large church, ripping up three children from schools they loved and lives they loved, giving up my dream house, giving up my dream job and my whole career as an academic to go back into parish ministry truth was, I was a mess. I was a mess. And I really didn't know what to do except put on those shoes and start walking to deal with that uncertainty and that anxiety. Well, the disciples in our story this morning were having a lace-em-up moment as well, weren't they? They had seen Jesus' death and, res and death, and they had seen the crucifixion. They had heard about the resurrection, but they weren't sure what was going on. Talking about uncertainty, 
And so what did they do? They put on their shoes and they started to walk, walk to some mountain that Jesus had told them about. We don't know what mountain it is. We have no record in scripture of Jesus telling them about this place, but they were trying to lean in to what they knew, trying to lean in to what Jesus had taught them. And even as they did that, they had to be walking with fear and uncertainty. You've had lace them up moments as well. I know you have. All it takes is a phone call. All it takes is for a great dream or plan that you had to come to an end, a relationship to come to an end. It happens to all of us at some point. A time arrives when what used to be no longer exists and what we are waiting for isn't even on the horizon yet. And all we can do is to lace up our shoes and keep walking one step after the other. Even churches, I hear, have these moments. Maybe we're having such a lace them up moment. You know, that moment between when the pastor leaves and the next pastor isn't even on the horizon yet. What is a church to do? What is a church to do but strap on, tie up our shoes, and keep walking together as the body of Christ? Well, then pay attention to what happens here in this Great Commission walking story. Pay attention to what happens. Because as those disciples lace up their shoes and walk up that mountain trying to lean into hope, but, but still unsure and, and afraid, Jesus meets them. Jesus meets them right there on that mountain, and he gives them, speaks into that tender moment, speaks right then and there the Great Commission. Go, he says. Baptize and teach, he says. And remember, remember, I am with you always. This is good news, right? That Jesus finds them in their moment of uncertainty and fear and speaks purpose and life into it. Good news that he doesn't leave them alone in uncertainty and fear. And friends, come on, he won't leave us alone either. Never has, never will. That's good news. There's just one problem. Maybe you noticed it. There weren't a lot of details in that Great Commission. Did you see that? Go! Jesus said, well, exactly how far, Jesus, and what route should I take, and how long will it be, and what should I pack for the journey? No details. Teach and baptize, Jesus said. Now, if Jesus had given us a little more detail about that baptism, it would have saved the church a lot of trouble, wouldn't it have? <laughs> and remember, remember. The thing about this story, this wonderful walking story, is Jesus doesn't come to these disciples with a destination, with all of the details and all of the answers. No, he comes to them with an invitation. He comes to them with an invitation for a journey. And it's going to be a journey of transformation and change. Those disciples... As they stood on that mountaintop, they began to change. They began to change from 
from those who follow Jesus to those who could lead others to Jesus, from those who kind of basked in the light of Jesus to those who could shine Jesus' light on others. They had to change. And the walk with Jesus is for each of us as well a call to change. We don't always like change, do we? I don't know about you, but in a lace-em-up moment, I'd much rather have all those details. But Jesus calls them to change. This is hard. This is hard. I think this is one of the reasons people don't want to walk with Jesus. Why would you want to change? But that's the invitation, a journey. A journey which is going to involve change and transformation. Guess what happened to me? After walking mile after mile after mile, week after week after week, I began to change. I began to be calmer, more at peace. I learned to pray and walk at the same time. Who knew that was even possible? But Kyle showed us it was possible, so. And I even learned to hear that voice, that still small voice saying, Remember, I am with you always. And slowly, I began to change into the kind of person who could be the kind of pastor I am today. And I'm not done. And neither are you. And neither is this church. So I keep walking. And so must we. I think the Apostle Paul probably says this best. In the 12th chapter of Romans, you know the passage. It's the passage where he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Apostle Paul knew that walking with Jesus was going to change us. He also knew that that change would be hard. Let me give you a couple of examples, a couple of examples of how that works. When we walk with Jesus, it changes the way we worship. It does. Now, I'm not just talking about the worship of us gathered here for an hour on Sunday morning, though this is totally lovely, okay? I'm talking about worship as a way of life. Worship as a way of standing before our Creator. Rick Warren uh, says it this way in The Purpose Driven Life. He says, if... Um, it, we are designed to worship God. That's how we were designed. And if you fail to worship God, guess what? You're going to give yourself to something else. You see, worship at its heart is about who we give ourselves to, what we give ourselves to. And when we follow Jesus, it changes how we give ourselves away. It increases the way we give ourselves away. Second example comes from the passage that you heard David read just a little bit earlier. Walking with Jesus changes our relationship with, with darkness and with light. 1 John 1, God is light, light with no darkness at all. Let us walk in the light as he himself is in the light. There is so much darkness in our world. You know that. And it is so easy to walk in the dark right? So very easy. But walking with Jesus means that darkness, 
Darkness has to be on the run. Walking with Jesus means that we begin to see darkness in a new way. We relate to darkness in a new way. And when we walk with Jesus, who is the light of the world, by the way, the light which cannot be extinguished by any darkness, light will shine. And it will shine in ways and places that we may not want to see. Walking in the light is a change, and it's hard. Our walk with Jesus is a walk of transformation and a walk of change. But this is good news. I talked about how hard it is, but let me remind you that it's also very good news. Because when we walk with Jesus, we might not know the destination, but he does. When we walk with Jesus, we may not have all the answers. We will not have all the answers, but he does. And when we walk with Jesus, we cannot meet our deepest longings and desires, but we walk with the one who does. Thanks be to God. Friends, I invite you. I invite our church at this time. I urge you to lace up your walking shoes, to let Christ guide your steps because Jesus can handle it. He can handle your life, my life. He certainly can handle the life of this precious church. But there's one more thing. One more thing I want to point out before we move away from this beautiful walking story. It's a line in the Great Commission that people usually pass over. They don't want to pay attention to. It's a difficult line. It's at that moment when those disciples first see Jesus. They're still walking on that mountain and they see him, the resurrected Christ, for the very first time. And you know what that line says, what scripture tells us? They worshiped him and some doubted. They worshiped him and some doubted. What a picture, my friends of you and me and our church. We are a beautiful jumbled mixture, I believe, of worship, joy, grace, having the ability to see what God is doing and at the same time, right? Doubt, uncertainty, and fear. And still, still God was able to take those 11 and accomplish God's purposes. It didn't stop him. The doubt didn't keep the Great Commission from taking hold. The same is true with us. God will accomplish in you and me and in Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church what God intends to accomplish. Even if we are fearful, even if we are uncertain, because God is in the lead. In the end, in the end, it's because we do not walk alone. We never walk alone. There's a young artist, Christian artist, named Torin Wells. He's from Houston. He's a Christian musician in Houston, and he just wrote a song that some of you probably have heard. It's called Hills and Valleys. 
It's become my new favorite song. I'm going to have the band sing it for us in just a minute. But I wanted to share with you what he said about his song. I think it's the most eloquent, powerful statement of walking with Jesus that I've heard in a while, maybe since just a closer walk with thee. <laughs> Here's what the young man said. Everyone has ups and downs. There's no life sorrow leaves untouched, and there's no life absent of at least one moment of joy. Life is full of both wonder and wounds. So how do we handle it? Hopefully, my song will help. Friends, how do we handle it? How do we lace up our walking shoes through moments of joy and abandonment, through mountains of worship and praise, and then lace up our shoes through doubt and fear, through valleys of sorrow and pain? We're able to do it because our God is the God of whatever mountain we might be on. And our God is the God of whatever valley we might find ourselves placed in. Our God is the God of hills and valleys, of churches with senior pastors and churches without senior pastors, of families that are growing and happy and families that are struggling of people who are healthy and people who are not healthy. Our God is God of all of that, and we are not alone.